from Job's friends insisting that the good are rewarded and the wicked punished, to the scientists of the 1930s proving to their horror a theorem that not everything can be proved, we've sought to impose order on the universe. But we've discovered something very surprising. While order does exist in the universe, it is not at all what we had in mind. another of those uh, razor blade apples over I, I'm all out of razor blade apples but I do have some fentanyl whoppers if you'd like oh man that would that would be so nice right now thank you yeah it will seriously mellow you out here you go hey uh, have, have you been did you give all those uh, weed gummies out to trick-or-treaters or do you have a do you have a few more Oh yeah, man. Here, here. Take a handful. Oh, thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Yeah. You know those are good. Look at all those kids mellowed out <laughs> all along the sidewalk. I love Halloween, man. Best time of year. Hell yeah! I love just sitting next to the sidewalk, having a little fire. I I love being spooky. Yeah. And having very, having spooky stories. Very pro spooky vibes. Yeah. Really glad Satan invented this holiday. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's real for that one. Absolutely the best. Yeah. The Prince of Dankness, like I always say. <laughs> hell yeah. Oh man, those gummies are hitting. That was a hell yeah, Charlie. <laughs> so uh do either of you have any spooky stories that have happened to you that you want to share i know you got one charlie i know you got one. Oh god this one's hard to explain <laughs> oh those are the those are the best spooky stories so one time when i was a lot younger probably i don't know nine ish ten ish me and a couple of my friends on my street went to have a picnic um we took our stuff down uh, went through the woods and we went past the first pond and we went to the second pond which was an old abandoned pool that had been uh, left for nature to claim back its territory um, and it's just a full on gross ass pond at this point but uh, and then there weren't like houses far off like there was just like some you know a, a little bit of trees but you could see the houses through them so it's not like this was some um forgotten area in the wilderness 
Anyways, we sat down, and we were having a picnic, and all of a sudden we heard somebody practicing the drums. Um, it wasn't too close, but, you know, it wasn't too far either, and it just sounded like they were working on, like, this tribal beat type of thing, and they kept doing it and doing it, and we noticed it kept getting a little bit louder and a little bit louder, and it seemed like it was getting closer somehow even though we couldn't see anybody around and we started getting really freaked out we uh decided to get up and leave even though we had not finished our our picnic and we we're going back and as we're going back it seems to be following us it seems to be getting louder and closer and louder and closer to the point where we just start running and like I said, we went through the woods, so we're going through the woods as this tribal beat is following us. It sounded like the Jumanji uh, kind of drums. That's what we were comparing it to. Um, and it just seemed like it was chasing us through the woods, getting louder and louder, closer and closer, until we passed the creek that was the closest right behind our, our subdivision. Um, and then we just had a little bit of woods to go through. And I remember just as like we jumped across the creek, like landing with a big splash, there was a final beat of the drums that just completely coincided with that. And then it just went silent. There is nothing else around. And we walked back to my friend's house. Uh, yeah, it didn't, that, that was it. Uh, uh, I, so for years and years in my head that I knew that happened. I knew it wasn't a dream. I knew that it had actually happened within the past, I don't know, five to eight years or so. I've started thinking like, there's no way that actually happened. That had to have been a dream that I just kind of like mixed up in my head and had to have not. Um, Sounds real. To and me. I'm like, I'm really embarrassed to contact my old friend to ask him like, if he remembers it. Um, but like, part of me, is no like, matter what he to, says, it happened to, to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm -hmm. hell yeah, wild, right Good on story, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's not as good as yours. <laughs> Hang on, I'll warm my hands. It's it's cold out here. Yeah, <sighs> got cold fast. I was at a lake house many years ago with a with a bunch of friends, and uh, I decided that I wanted to summon a demon. And so I just did a quick Google search for how to summon a demon. <laughs> and I found this, this uh, incantation for summoning a chaos demon. And I thought, that sounds right. And we all got around the table. And we, we did our little chant. And we thought, okay. And we went down to the beach. And we sat down there. And there had been no one on the beach for like the last... We'd been there a couple days. We hadn't seen anyone on this beach. And all of a sudden, there's like dunes, little dunes around the beach. And we hear, we hear rustling in the, in the like plant life on top of the dunes. And we look up and there's all these little pairs of glowing white eyes up there. And it's like little kids running around. Uh, but they're just like kind of snickering and laughing and, and it was really, you know, it was unnerving. And then all of a sudden, this very drunk man kind of stumbles out of nowhere and just sits down with us and starts 
talking to us and yammering at us. And some people go back up to the house and he follows them back up to the house and will not leave uh, until someone finally like screams at him and is like, get the fuck out of here. And I, I'm not someone who really believes in um, demons, but that was the closest I've ever come to feeling like maybe they're real. And this guy was, was that. Yeah. The children too. Yeah. How old are you again? Uh, I'm 24, 25. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. Gnarly. How about how about you, Rabbit? Do you have any spooky tales? Uh, yeah. So one time I was uh, traveling through Missouri with a friend. We were hitchhiking and we got dropped off in a random small ass stop with just like a truck stop, a little hotel and a little, uh, convenience store in just woods and we looked at the hotel but it was as much money as we had Uh, it was like 60 bucks and we had like 70 bucks so we're like okay let's go camp like we normally do in these woods so we go and camp in these woods it was a night kind of like tonight you know except it was really fucking hot out and we walked deep into these woods not really knowing where we are and we set up a tent in this like dried up creek bed and for some reason, like we set it up in this creek bed that was kind of slanted. So like we're kind of fallen like one. I'm sliding into her more because we're like kind of sideways. And we have our there's two doors to the tent, but we have all of our stuff up against the door that's facing the road. And after a time, we hear some footsteps and they're coming from the road. And it's like coming from the road straight for us. And we're like, oh, shit, maybe it's the person Maybe we're on somebody's property or maybe it was that guy we saw hitchhiking like when we got dropped off. Um, let's just see what happens when he gets here. And, and walks right up to the like right dead next to the tent. But we can't see out of the tent. It's pitch black and just stops. And so I go like, hey, what's up? And there's nothing. And that's when I started to freak out because I'm like, why aren't you saying anything? Like, who the fuck are you? I thought they would be like, get out of here or like, oh, hey, I'm drunk. Nothing. So we, I keep trying to talk to him. Nothing. And then he walks around the tent to the door that's open and stops. And I after, you know, this is longer than this, but I'm finally like, look, I'm going to open this tent on three. We're not trying to hurt you. We're not anything. If this is your land, we'll leave. If you want to camp with us, you can. I just want to see who you are. I'm going to open the tent on three. One, starts backing away from the tent. Two, three, uh, my friend shines her light out. I have a knife. I open it and there's just nobody there. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? So I like look around. We're shining our lights. There's nobody so I close the tent and he, the footsteps, he walks right back to the tent door. And so basically there is this long night of, or like 30 minutes of finally like me talking, us opening it, he'd walk away, we'd open it, he wouldn't be there. And then finally he's walking away and I chase after him and I'm running after these footsteps for like so long until I hear screaming. And it's my friend still at the tent, like fucking eighth of a mile away quarter mile away and i run back to her and that she had heard footsteps coming from a different direction so we just pack up all our shit run out of there spend all our money at the hotel spend the extra like five bucks we have on beer and 
we go to sleep freaking out and we wake up in the morning and my friend has a voicemail and it's from her old friend who hasn't called in forever and she says hey i just want to make sure you and rabbit are okay i had a dream that you two were in trouble and you were laying down and you were slanted and sliding into each other <sighs> so we woke up at sunrise and hitchhiked out of there as fast as we could okay it's dark so you can't see all the hairs standing up on my arm <laughs> but all the hairs are standing up on my arm that is a spooky story yeah that is spooky i remember you talking terrifying. about terrifying never believed in uh, ghosts before that but now i know there's something mm-hmm. don't know if it's ghosts but there's something shit dude that's good that's and or the fucking edibles have kicked in one of the, one of the two dude. i don't know Welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the Satan-worshipping, pumpkin-smashing, kaiju, and monster movie death cult in a world where we've been condemned to save ourselves. I'm Rabbit. Hell yeah. I'm uh, Charles. <laughs> and, and I'm Bardo. And for Halloween, we're talking about 1987's Prince of Darkness. Charlie, before we go any further, can you tell us what this movie's about? Only because you asked me so politely. Barto, can you ask me politely too? Charles, can you please tell us what this film is about? Okay, now I feel respected. (laughs) Our exciting, dank, and spooky adventure begins when Catholic priest Donald Pleasance comes to check out some dead old fuck priest and discovers that this decrepit dude was in possession of a key. Now, this is not some ordinary priest-protected key that leads to a basement of pure evil, but in fact, it's a key to the basement of an abandoned church that houses Satan in the form of liquid goo. One look at this basement, and you realize that this goo is not only the Prince of Darkness, but also the Prince of Dankness. Totally makes sense why that church was abandoned, if you ask me. Father Loomis discovers that Jesus was an alien sent here to warn us of Goose Satan, which can control shit on a subatomic level of dankness, and a secret sect of the Catholic Church was keeping Goose Satan a secret until our science had advanced to the point where all this could be proven. In terms of secret groups within the Catholic Church, this is easily the least bad in history. Father Pleasance contacts his old debate opponent, Professor Birock, and Birock subsequently gathers his physics students at the church to study Mr. Goo. Mr. Goo, with the help of bugs and a group of unhoused people on Earth's control, naturally led by Alice Cooper, wreak absolute havoc on this group of fucking nerds. But ultimately, the nerds come out on top, answering that age-old question, who would win, Satan or nerds? (laughs) Somehow, after all this... Birak walks free while multiple students of his have been brutally killed and maimed. Proven what we all learned from the certified film classic The Usual Suspects, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he totally wasn't a jar of goo in the dank, bis- <laughs> in the dank basement of a California church. It's Prince of Darkness, baby! And I, I just want to point out uh, that dank was not in that... Uh, synopsis at all until about five minutes before we started when rabbit suggested that I put dank a bunch of times in perfect there. i did not suggest that <laughs> i suggested that you all refer to me in my proper title the prince of dankness since i'm done with harvest <laughs> um 
I just want to throw out, speaking of which, Goo Satan, uh, weed strain name, I call it. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. What'd y'all think of this movie? Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie, we should say, was my pick. Um, we were, we wanted, I wanted to do something, a Halloween befitting movie. Um, and I picked this movie because I love this movie and it's great. So, yeah, I still think it's great. There's definitely like some stuff that I thought like it in the year of our Lord, in the year of our dark Lord, 2022, I thought eh, it was a little, little problematic, John Carpenter. But uh, <laughs> I also thought like I'm watching it. And one of the things when I think about Carpenter, he's like very not like an ideological dude. Like he he doesn't like seem like he actually has strong he's very opinionated about anything in particular but his movies just end up very 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 strongly political and and i love that about him he's um he's a left liberal um definitely he's like a bernie probably politics along the lines of bernie sanders one Um, of us one (laughs) of um but i mean he has some movies where the politics are very much on the sleeve like they live he, he has strong opinions about uh, all other directors kind of sucking. He does. <laughs> <laughs> no, of all other non-horror directors. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Wait, what? There's that video going around where they were asking about other contemporary horror. They asked him about like Spielberg and uh, De Palma, right? They, oh, they also right. asked him okay. about... Uh, Altman. Um, what's his name? Who does um whatever the the movie's called where the the little girl gets get deta- decapitated and um, oh hereditary yeah 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 okay I haven't I haven't seen that or I haven't seen um that interview or heard anything about that interview so oh, maybe yeah. that's what Rabbit was referring to yeah no nope. oh. okay well, I just remember there's a famous but thanks for trying Marta <laughs> I just remember there's a famous interview where he talks about how he doesn't like. Altman and uh, that's like that's the, the new Hollywood directors. Of. Sorry, now I'm curious. Did he like Hereditary? No, I don't think he likes any of those. Like, uh, okay, Elevated uh, Horror. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw there's an interview where they asked him about Elevated Horror, and he's like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the man who Elevated Horror doesn't even know. <laughs> uh, so I had never seen this movie before, and I watched it twice uh, since we picked it. And the first time I liked it. But I don't know if I, like, got it. Like, I also had really high expectations. I was like, that was good. But, you know, I thought it was going to be great. And then the second time, thinking, oh, I kind of got to watch this again, it, like, blew me away. I love this movie. It's so good. I think I just had too much to process the first time. There's so much going on in this movie. There's so much quick dialogue and big concepts. And and then suddenly they're just getting attacked and shit. But it's yeah. fucking awesome i dig this film hell yeah i'm so glad i, I had no I, cl- I had no idea what you would think of it i kind of thought you'd just be like yeah it, it's good but nothing special so i'm i'm very glad to hear you say that i mean it's so severed but <laughs> <laughs> had you seen this before barto no i hadn't i mean there's like a whole bunch of carpenter movies that are like like classic carpenter that i've not seen mm-hmm. and this is one of them um and I'm so happy I watched this. I just Hell was yeah. delighted 
the whole way through. I kept thinking like haters will say these credits are too long, but they are not. Everything about this <laughs> is perfect. You mean the opening credits? Yeah. I love that because yeah. like the whole time that's you have that that sinister uh, score just going uh, repeating itself for like the first ten minutes. Well, <laughs> yeah. it kind of uh, opens everything up, and I, I just I love that the use of the score during the opening credits and just setting everything up. I got to say that the score during the most of the movie, but like the, when they're in the house, you know, and they can't, or not the house, the church and they can't leave. And like, they don't know what the fuck's going on and things just keep getting worse. It's like simple and repetitive and fucking relentless. And it makes me feel like I'm stuck in a goddamn church. Like it makes yeah. me feel like I can't get out. And this, I've just yeah. always been hearing the same music and I've always been hearing these same demons. I, I kept, yeah. I was thinking about how many of his movies start with a synthesized bass note that has a little bit of delay <laughs> on it. Like, yeah. like s- several of his movies start that way, and it's fucking awesome. What a great fingerprint to put on your thing. Yeah, so I watched the commentary on this, um, which was with John Carpenter and uh, Peter Jason, who's the guy that plays Doctor uh, Leahy, who's the other professor that he doesn't have a big role, but like he's around and then turns into a zombie guy. Uh, Anyways, um, not the best commentary in terms of info, but there's some good tidbits in there. And uh, John Carpenter's co- com- commentary is always worth watching because he's just a he's just an awesome dude, and he comes across as such a friendly and good guy. Mm-hmm. And him and this other guy have like a good you know rapport with each other and make lots of jokes. So I recommend it. Anyways, talking about the music, he's, he said that all the scores are basically improvised. He's just not good enough to. Co- uh, He's just not good enough a musician to come up with anything beforehand. So he just like watches the scenes while playing around and improvising stuff on his synthesizer. Um, That's so sick. Yeah. I've scored a movie that way before and it was so much fun. Yeah, I bet. Hell yeah. Uh, When do we get to do an episode? (laughs) We could do an episode about that movie if you want. It's a very (laughs) weird movie. (laughs) Hell yeah. I'll see if I can find it. But yeah, Carpenter, he, I mean, everyone knows this. He usually does like all of his own scores and he's just fucking great and iconic and they're always fantastic. Yeah. The score was awesome. I, there were so many great little lines and snippets, so many good ideas. And like the movie to me actually gets kind of scary from the scene where Kelly's face is shooting liquid onward. I'm like actually kind of scared and like don't want to be living in the woods and have <laughs> darkness outside the windows anymore. And I'm like, I'm good actually. Like it yeah. actually gets kind of fucking uh, unnerving. I yeah. love it. Yeah. It's definitely can get pretty unsettling and get under your skin some. Totally. Uh, mm-hmm. Catherine's statement about, uh, I didn't have anywhere to put this and I just stood out to me. She mm-hmm. says like, She's talking about academics and, like, the things she's thinking about, these weird concepts. She says something about wanting to put it all together in a box and make the clock work. But when she, like, steps back, it, like, falls apart. And I, like, love that because I definitely think there's so many concepts I get excited about. And I'm, like, in it. And I'm fucking Mm -hmm. in it. And then I'm out of it for two seconds. And I'm, like, oh, shit. How do I connect? Like, fuck. I'm out. Like, reading theory or whatever. And it just, like from the get-go and that's just like a throwaway line like there's so many good lines that that's just a throwaway line what was it you will not be saved by the god plutonium like like what what i mean i can i guess imagine what they're talking about there but like it's just so 
ominous and weird to have that line appear on the computer screen that you're <laughs> translating. I don't exactly understand the mechanisms and from which like they were what data they were pulling that then became words um, that the devil was telling them. But it was it's, what a fucking cool thing that you will not be saved by the God plutonium. Incredible. Yeah. I don't know that. Uh, I love that line. I don't know that that was a translation. I feel like that was when he had possessed her and he was speaking through her by typing. Cause she right. he says, you will not be yeah, saved at it all. Was, at first it was like, you'll not right. be saved by, um, something else and i said you'll not be the saved. holy ghost yeah yeah because it. it's the whole science verse which we'll get into really soon science and faith thing but yeah i love yeah. that fucking it's line like, it's you, like in fact you will not be saved at all picturing john carpenter with that hair and like mustache <laughs> that i picture from those times writing the line you will not be saved by the god plutonium is just a delight just like, smiling to himself and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i guess um at the time he was obsessed with quantum physics and he had just read a book about quantum uncertainty a year or two before writing the script, and he wanted to incorporate that into a script. And it's about basically physics about the behavior of subatomic particles. But I just yeah. think that's like he just says it so perfectly. Just, just it's such a cool kind of idea that he really crafts something really unique here uh, with that jumping Definitely. off point. And, and I there's like a lot of it feels like there's like a lot of media that sort of plays with like quantum as, as kind of like mm -hmm. a very mysterious thing, which it, it, it is. But like most of the time when I feel like someone is, is talking about quantum physics and they're talking about it in a way that like, I understand very perfectly what they're talking about. I feel like they're doing like a very hokey version of whatever mm -hmm, quantum yeah. physics is. And I'm kind yeah. of like disappointed. And I think that they're being kind of lazy, but it just like works so well in this. He, yeah. well, in the, he has such tact. The movie also like lives and breathes with it. It's not mm -hmm. like, here's the part where someone has exposition about how science and faith can work together. And did you know this cool quantum concept? It's like those moments are there, but the movie is like it, the characters are thinking about this is he like he's demonstrating the division and how it's fake but also like i don't know how to say what i'm saying like you know the priest walks through in the science in the science department and the kids are like oh it must be a debate because he's letting us know that there's this division that's always mm -hmm. happened where they have to be debating why would they but then at the same time he's having people talk about a quantum physics like concept and then that's being like lived by the fucking Prince of Darkness throughout yep. the movie. It's so fucking well done. Yep. And also, Jesus is an alien is always a great uh, idea. <laughs> that reminded me so hard of uh, our old friend Zach uh, yeah. used to make these psychedelic posters that said, God is aliens. Yeah, I oh. have a shirt that's uh, it's a big alien that says, God is aliens on it. Oh, um, that's cool as hell. And a poster from it. <laughs> yeah. I, I immediately went, I'm like, who do I know who's like, Jesus was an alien and I've talked to him like which which are which of like the contactees from the 50s and it's like my favorite dude who's this name uh his name's uh Angelucci or Fio Angelucci who's this guy who I'm pretty sure he was like a wacky dude but I'm also pretty sure that he was like an MK Ultra victim 
of some kind who just he just like took it as like these are aliens um but he was he was a guy who like went up in the spaceship and talked to aliens and one of the aliens he talked to kind of on the regs was jesus um which is <laughs> pretty yes. cool um the other people <laughs> who claim jesus was an alien are um the Raelians. do you remember them they were the people no. like in the late 90s who were like we cloned a person do you remember that whole thing? <laughs> not at all. The name's familiar, but I do not remember that. It was like a huge story for like probably a year. Like it... I think I'm getting mixed up because the Raelians is the name of Charlie's sex tape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's and it's what we call a cult classic. <laughs> In fact, maybe these people the, named themselves after classic. my tape. <laughs> Yeah, the the Raelians are like a uh, Cor- I don't remember if they're Korean or Japanese, but they're a UFO cult uh, who, yeah, in the '90s claimed that they they cloned someone, but no one could see her. And like, I remember, <laughs> I remember like morning news <laughs> when I I watch local Chicago morning news, they'd give like updates on what the Raelians were saying about the baby that they had <laughs> that they cloned. Yes. But yeah, they also said Jesus was an alien. I mean, it it definitely reminds me also of like ancient uh, ancient alien yeah, theories yeah, totally. and stuff. Yeah. Um, but this is this is more fun in my opinion. Oh yeah. Uh, well, before we dive too deep into that, uh, I mean, this is our first John Carpenter film. Y'all, what do y'all think of John Carpenter? Where's your Where's your minds at with the guy, Charlie? You seem to like him. Yeah, he's definitely one of my top directors. Uh, no competition. I think he's. <laughs> His strand of movies from uh, Assault and Precinct 13 to um, uh, In the Mouth of Madness is just, it's not perfect. Um, I haven't seen Memoirs of an Invisible Man, but I hear it's absolutely terrible. Yeah. But it's it's such an amazing run of movies for the most part. I mean, god damn, obviously Halloween and The Thing, but then fucking... You have ones that people forget, like Christine is such an amazing movie. That was a book, even when I was in, into Stephen King, I was like, I can't fucking read a book about a evil car. That's the stupidest fucking thing ever. <laughs> um, I don't know. So maybe the book's actually good, but the movie, uh, Carpenter pulls it off. It's it's a great movie. Um, you will not be saved by your god, the American automobile. <laughs> uh but yeah, just banger after banger after banger. They live. Uh, that's one of the greatest fight scenes outside of Kung, uh, outside of uh, Hong Kong in history. <laughs> I, I love him. I love him. And uh, I know after In the Mouth of Madness, he just like went downhill pretty bad for the rest of his career. But he, the stuff I've seen from that, I still I think is still enjoyable. Even if it isn't at the fantastic levels that he had set before. And he's also just. On a personal level, just reading interviews, listening to commentaries, hearing other people uh, talk about him, he's just like overall, just like a warm, good dude who just seems to be chill as fuck for the most part, and just great to everyone around him. There's a uh, Jamie Lee Curtis talks about how her first day on Halloween, she was like went home crying, thinking that she was going to get fired because she did so horrible. It's like the worst acting job she's ever done and there's no way she keep the job and she got a call from john carpenter that night that she wasn't expecting at all and john carpenter is just like oh thank you so much i think you're so perfect for the for the role i think you did such an amazing job and it's going to be so so special and great and 
he just did it because she knew she was like in a bad space and and he wanted to Hell yeah. prop her up and I don't know he's just a great guy sorry sorry for rambling on oh, that's oh awesome. yeah that's great yeah I'm same I've not seen as many movies as Charlie has I don't think but I think the thing is a pretty Ooh. much perfect film I've seen a handful of his other movies Halloween they live uh, in the mouth of madness um, yeah. which I thought was fucking awesome. And yeah, he lives a lifestyle that I aspire to. I, he just like, seems like just a slacker. And I fucking love that. That's all I want to be in life is just a slacker. <laughs> just have fun, chill out, get checks in the mail. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, oh, his, yeah. his lifestyle now that he's retired, is like, I just want to hang out, play video games, and make music with my son, and smoke weed all the time. Oh, <laughs> and he's like, but I won't God. go back to filming if I can get like uh, the rights to Dead Space. I would love to make Dead Space into a movie, uh, the video game. Oh, <laughs> sick. Oh, I need that Carpenter money. I, like, I'll like. I'll even have a kid if it means I can just play music with him. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah, I have not seen a ton of John Carpenter, but I've never... Uh, I I mean Halloween was like my first horror obsession as a kid. I watched all of them as a kid, oh, and shit. I would watch Halloween H two O like over and over and over. But like I watched the first Halloween, the second most. Uh, it after H two O. After H two O, I was a kid. I was like yeah. a little kid. It was the Is that new the one with hot Buster one. Rhymes? I don't know. It was the one that was like the first one that was a direct sequel to the first one with Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Buster um, Rhymes, and one of them he kills Mike Myers. <laughs> Oh, damn. I don't know if that's that There's one. a great uh, uh, interview on The Daily Show with Busta Rhymes after that came out being like, he, John Stewart asked him what happened to his character. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they, they filmed like three different things that happened to me. I don't know which one they chose. <laughs> good, good tactic. That's smart. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the thing is just like the best. Uh, and of course, They Live is so good. I mean... <laughs> whatever has some, has some weird interpretations now but it's fucking yeah. amazing i um, love that fucking movie. yeah but he will um, periodically go online and be like fuck you nazis that's not what yeah. the oh. is not is about and very clearly like i don't even feel that when i'm watching it it's just a bummer that it's gotten that taint to it because the world sucks and john carpenter doesn't yep. um so we already kind of started touching on it um but this movie does some really fucking exciting and interesting stuff with like the science versus faith or science and faith stuff. What did you all think of that? I mean, I I guess I I would ask like, what do you think he was trying to say? Like, do you think he was <laughs> trying to say anything? Was there like, what, what did you get out of it? Um, in the commentary, she says multiple times that he's like, I don't understand the story. I don't know if it makes any sense. <laughs> I, I think he was basically just like the idea of Satan performing and controlling stuff on a subatomic uh, level and kind of just approaching this kind of idea with sort of a physics mindset while trying to make a fun horror movie. Um, I think that was his basis and maybe not necessarily saying anything about religion itself. Although obviously whether or not intention stuff is going to creep in. So right. you can yeah, still answer I, your question. I personally think he was saying whether he wanted to or not more about science than religion. I think like it seemed to me like he was 
both saying, look at all this cool new science stuff we're figuring out and mocking science for like thinking that things it doesn't understand don't exist. Yeah. Like we're just figuring out all this stuff about quantum mechanics, but then the characters are like, you know, this goo isn't supposed to exist at all. It's like, well, none of the laws of physics you just learned about yesterday that the whole world just learned about fucking two years ago are supposed to exist either. And now you think they do and you're getting a degree in them, but you're like, this other thing can't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like a kind of running theme throughout, it feels like. But I also think there's just like a, like when I'm watching, I'm not necessarily like, this is sick because it means something. I'm like, this is sick because I'm catching connections you're making. And I don't know yeah. where they're leading, but you're making them. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, I mean, it also sort of had this, like, uh, I sort of read. Uh, okay. So uh, at some point, I decided that maybe I don't like the scientists. And maybe that there's supposed to be, like, a hubris to this that, They've oh, they've yeah. brought in all of these machines and computers and seismographs and we're like quantifying the sublime or like um, evil itself or what something that like the divine has has touched and we're sort of the point of view of the film like we're we're looking at it from the scientist's point of view but i at somewhere along the line i sort of like rejected that point of view and and i i did that from a place of like i don't really like how this film treats houseless people because mm. that's you know we'll get back to that but and i thought maybe they know something that we're supposed to we're supposed to notice like they're absolutely trying to put a stop to this hubris that's going on inside this church when we're when we're we're trying to touch god with numbers or whatever or touch evil with numbers i i don't know an interesting kind of uh thing to consider if you're taking that that uh view about the hubris of the scientists being um so great which it is great uh as as rabbit pointed out they're like oh we have everything figured out and this doesn't fit into our our um you know what we figured out so it's, it can't be real they're being led by um professor bijak is that his name bijak something like that barrack anyways he's like he has a lot the least amount of hubris at the mall and he's one where they even point out at the beginning, like he's more of a philosopher than a scientist, or he's more interested in philosophy than science. So it's kind of because the whole time he's just kind of like saying, "Look, you think you have? We've always think we have it all figured out, but you break it down, and we don't understand reality at all. We don't understand reality at all." So it's kind of interesting that they're being led by this guy who kind of sees all of that and is yeah. hopefully trying to guide his students to see that, you know, as much as they have learned on a the, the facts and the science is that there's a lot more going on than we can tell. Let's talk about our beliefs and what we can learn about them. We believe nature is solid and time a constant. Matter has substance and time a direction. There is truth in flesh. And yeah, Charlie, I fully agree. He's like, all these things you think you know, you don't. But it is interesting that then he brings the kids who 
to be the ones to be the experts. It's kind of interesting. I don't know what it means, but it's, it is kind of interesting. Um, That's kind of an interesting point. When he agreed to do this, like how much do you think he knew and believed when he was like, I'm going to sign my students on to come over and hang out here. Cause really at that point, he probably only gotten like a letter from the priest and yeah, what well, he went to go, he went to go visit it first. Okay. Remember, they yeah, brought the him basement. down the stairs. And he heard and, the story. And showed oh, him yeah, the yeah. He takes him to the basement. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Tells um, him about the mysterious order who have been... That's still not a ton to know, though. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. I want to touch on something you said, Barto. Uh, we'll talk about houseless like folks and what that whole thing means in a bit. But I do want to point out that I think the film kind of visually shows us that they understand something that other people are ignoring through this like recurring uh, uh, visual of like them staring at the sun and they're all they're like staring up at the sky or something. And there's a couple times where one of the houseless folks is staring up at it and then and like gazing like they understand something like it's like before we'll then see them like march off towards the church. But then there's a shot where Brian, after he sleeps with Catherine, he gets up in the morning and he does the same hand motion and looks at the sky the same way and then like blocks it out with his hand and looks down and walks back inside. So does the professor. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Where they're seeing like the sun and the moon kind of together mm-hmm. in the, you know. Which feels very much like when I was watching it, I'm like, this is one of those those Carpenter moments that doesn't mean anything. And he just thought of this image and thought this would be cool to do. And <laughs> and yeah. but it but you're right. You're right. It does like even if the image itself doesn't mean anything, I don't think mm-hmm. maybe it does debate me on that. But uh, the the theme around the image was. That's a good catch. Good catch. And also, like, I mean, sorry, I'm going to be a fucking uh, beat a dead horse here. But, like, if he thinks it seems cool, but it's not cool because it's one of the five things that we are told are cool, motorcycles or jackets or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, if he thinks it looks cool, he thinks it looks cool for a reason. Mm-hmm. And what is that? It's probably a meaning that he doesn't understand, but he feels, yep. you know. I, in the science thing, there's one recurring thing that is, like, probably my favorite recurring thing in the in the movie and that's the schrodinger's cat stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so does one of you feel confident in being able in case someone listening doesn't know to explain the schrodinger's cat like in general outside the movie probably the best understanding i've ever gotten of it is from this movie so (laughs) (laughs) i i mean it so it it is um Oh God, I hope I don't sound like a dumbass saying this. So the experiment being that you put a cat in a box with a uh, some kind of radiation. Now I'm forgetting. And the the uh, basically, if you don't look in the cat in the box, you don't know if this unstable isotope that's in the in the box with the cat has killed the cat or not. And um. And because there's been no observation on it, the cat is in a state of, what do you call it, a quantum superposition, maybe? Um, where, where basically it's implying that observation makes reality itself. That is what the, yeah. the experiment is, is supposed to, or the, the thought experiment is supposed to prove. 
Yeah, so until you open it, not only do you not know whether the cat is dead or alive, the cat isn't dead or alive until you open it. And then Mm. it's the state it's in. So observing the process decides what happens and not observing it means it could be either one, not just to you, but just in existence. And my understanding is that Schrodinger was actually like his cat thing. He didn't believe this. He was mocking people who believed this. Hmm. But that it became – uh, people who know this stuff better than us are probably going to point out things we're getting wrong. But that's my understanding. But then that in quantum mechanics, they are like, oh, this seems to be what's happening. Like we shoot particles and we don't know if they're going this place or this place. And they're, it doesn't seem like they're going either unless we look at this place or this place. Right. Hmm. Um, so in the movie, they, you know, they kind of explain that. And then there's a few times – where that comes up the the more minor one is Catherine is in bed with uh brian and he's like can i tell you something and she's like don't and he's like well how do you know i'm gonna say what you're gonna say and he says she says because if you don't like if you're not gonna say then i don't want to know because once she knows then it exists whether he loves her or not right i i didn't make that connection but now that you say that like oh that seemed kind of pretty obvious so okay so you you get what i'm saying with that one so that's the minor one that's just like hey cue to you we're carrying this through think about this the big one to me is the whole situation they're in like when i'm watching it i'm like why is this a problem now he's the 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 thing has been in this vat this whole time why is it suddenly a problem it's a problem because there was this brotherhood of sleep and there was this guardian priest keeping a secret so it was unknown for so long and now that it's known we can see it and it exists and it didn't exist till it was known right damn fuck man that's awesome. Isn't that fucking fun? Yes. Yeah. Christ. Yeah. And the fact that Carpenter was really into physics at the time really makes that it seem like that's all more like very intentional. Um, yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The second time I watched this movie, I was like, this is fucking awesome. That's, that's sweet. Oh, fuck, man. I'm just like kicking myself. Now I want to watch it a second time. <laughs> <laughs> so then one other thing on this a big part of the plot is that the i don't know exactly how this ties up but you know there's this there's we're now in a faithless world we're in a world where science rules instead of religion and so the priest needs the scientists to prove scientifically that this is happening because, as he says, disbelief powers Satan. It allows deception. He lives in the whole, not the sum of its parts. And uh, I don't know exactly how it ties in or I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now, but I feel like the general idea is like there's a part where the Professor uh, Barrick is told like, don't tell this thing you know to anyone until you can prove it scientifically. Because there's something Carpenter's saying about, like, not only is the problem caused by us knowing, but the solution might be too. Like, if people, if if you just say that Satan exists, people won't know it. But if you can prove it in a way that they'll believe with science, then it we can actually, like, have an impact on it. And I can't quite tie together how it works, but that seems to be something happening. That feels I don't know if that makes no. Sense. That feels like incredibly correct. It feels like yeah. you really have have dug something up there. That that is very cool. 
cool read. Yeah. Oh man. Definitely agree. I don't even know what we could hit from here that's gonna be bigger than that. <laughs> I, that just, thanks, guys. Good episode. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean that ties together perfectly. That I mean, we're we're talking about like the yeah, the way to defeat Satan, I guess, you know, in in, in a grander way is to is to open the box and look at the cat. Mm. You know, and, and that's, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. Man, and hopefully that cat has a machine gun. <laughs> we can really defeat Satan. On a, on a less like, uh, deep level. I really liked, first of all, I really liked that the church was just clearly out of time. Like you have this amazing mm-hmm. old church, but when you next to it, you know, there's just like a weird shop. I forget what it was that sells like. What was it like tapes? I forget yeah. what it says. And I really liked the idea that the church is hiding the science of Satan. The church yeah. is hiding the fact that malevolence is a solid object so that they could characterize it. They said as an evil uh, spiritual force in the hearts of men to keep humans centered. Like it felt like Galileo. Like we have to keep the earth centered. We have to keep humans centered. So we're not going to let you know that you're just one substance, but evil is its own substance. I thought that was such a cool idea. Agreed. Oh, and Jesus is an alien, man. Jesus is an alien. Fuck. What a weird thing to throw in when you're like, you're, we're, because now I'm I'm like thinking about this movie on like a, a very different sort of level than I was thinking about it before. And now just being like, and Jesus was an alien who came to warn us about Satan uh, being like real and also like buried in a jar somewhere uh, is is such like a it feels so uh, completely out of the blue. When my initial watch, yeah. it didn't feel out of the blue at all. It was just like, yeah, hell yeah, Satan's or Jesus is an well, alien. <laughs> one of the things I fucking love about talking about movies and like, you know, having somebody who sees something and talk. Like when I first watched this movie, I reached out to you guys and I was like, guys, I need your help. I don't know what to talk about. Like this was just a cool Satan movie. I need your help. And you threw out ideas, Barto, and then like they made me think differently about the movie that got me to other places. And like some of the things you brought up, I didn't even fucking know. Like, I, so you brought up Manichaeism. Oh yeah. Manichaeism was almost, it. I would, you, you could argue it's like, it was like the first world religion. Like it basically touched everywhere that people were it. um, Like there were some people who were like kind of Christian at the time uh there were but basically it it took from that lineage and there's this guy manny um or Mani, and he's like i'm i was gonna say his name is fucking manny Mani, <laughs> m-a-n-i <laughs> um and he was like i'm the last the the final descendant of the prophets i'm the same lineage as Jesus and Buddha and um, but he had this cosmology that he talked about. Anyways, it got wildly popular um, and brutally shut down. But it was like when when around was this like from the third to like the 11th century. And it really died down in like the 17th century. 
And there's, I think, still some people like in China practicing this, but they're like very secretive about it because it was just like states were like, "Uh uh-uh, we got to shut this down. Um, it's, It's a duality kind of religion like there's good and then there's evil um and Mm. uh light and dark and in the beginning there was a world of light um that was run by the father of greatness and there was a sphere uh sphere of darkness run by the king of darkness and the king of darkness went to invade the sphere of light and they sent the prince of darkness who um and on the other side they they sent uh what the the original man from the light to infiltrate the darkness and basically what happened was the original man goes into the darkness realm and infiltrates it and wins and he and the mother of life create the universe from the bodies of the dark beings um, and so the material world in this is the world of darkness of the dark beings of like the literal bodies of darkness like our flesh the planets or our planet specifically earth um, and then the lightness inside all of them which came from basically the dark beings eating lightness is like things like the human soul and celestial bodies and things like that. But whatever the case, they, they really play on this dualistic nature of the universe, which this movie really taps into, I think a little bit when they're doing this, particularly when they're like talking about this, like particle antiparticle, thing and these mirror this, world this mirror world thing yeah um and i don't know if you like need any of this i don't think it like actually unlocks anything about this film but it does really feel like he read something about this and he was influenced by it yeah the, the other thing i forget what they're called now the princess the prince of darkness also like when he was defeated in the light world. He gave birth to two demonic beings, Sakla and Nebroel. Sorry to all uh, manic uh, <laughs> manic You can tell. Uh, you can tell he's evil for naming his kids that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it really felt like we had two principal demons in in this film as well like i know there were a couple of other like zombie characters walking around um but they didn't seem important like um susan and uh lisa lisa yeah um and they felt like they could be sakla and oh interesting um because i read it as the the prince of darkness is in the 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 vat and it sprays into them and but it's like yeah i couldn't tell like are they possessed and then it's actually just becoming kelly so kelly's not possessed or like and then also what's what's the relation with the houseless folks with it i yeah i would yeah um but 
being demons kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's also weird how she hits her elbow and then a demon bruise appears. Yeah. <laughs> On her, yeah, <laughs> definitely Just from, weird. Like, hitting her elbow against a computer or something. One of those things that, like, I it, it that whole thing with the bruise happened, and I was just like, it's just one of those things, you know. Like, I don't need to tie up and where that came yeah. from or what that means. It's just one of those things. Well, apparently <laughs> totally. the uh, the design on the bruise comes from a Blue Oyster Cult uh, album cover. I thought that. Yes. <laughs> hey, fucking Godzilla! Am I right? Yeah, hell yeah! Wait, what? Hell did yeah. you did you actually think that, uh, Bert? I thought it looked like the Blue Oyster Cult logo. Yeah, okay. yeah, Bert. So you know, Blue Oyster Cult does the song Godzilla. Oh no, I've actually listened to like almost no Blue Oyster Cult at all. Okay, I'm just familiar yeah. with their. Since logo. you're on a Godzilla podcast, do yourself a favor, check that song out. It's pretty sick. Dun, 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 Godzilla. Dun, dun, dun. I'm sure yeah, you've it, heard it. It's a great song. Um, I'm not familiar with them either, besides Godzilla and That's Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah. I've always heard that they're actually pretty good and worth checking out. Don't Fear the Reaper slaps. It. That's a great song. Yeah. Since we're talking about, you know, the women being possessed, there are some interesting gender dynamics in this film that I don't totally know what to make of. It seems in general like the men are in charge, not only that they have the higher authority roles, but that like the male students seem to know what's going on more. Like they know when meetings are happening and and like what what the latest theories are while the women are like working. But then suddenly the women and you actually pointed that out, that the women are always doing work when we were talking about this episode, uh, Barto. But then suddenly the women are in charge, if you know yeah. what I mean. It's interesting. I mean, only yeah. women are working in this. Yeah. There's like all these men and they're like standing <laughs> around and they're like eating snacks and they, <laughs> they're they like going from room to room and talking to people. But like the all the women in the movie are like doing things. They're like they are typing on computers. Yeah. They are collecting data. They are, you know, like and being bossed around. And like every man in this movie yeah. is a fucking asshole. That transitions into them being, yeah, the head warriors and um, move makers uh, in terms of um, the actual high stakes of good versus evil with uh, yeah. both the women uh, being uh Lisa and Susan being uh, head of like the bringing the zombie Satan around the area, and then uh, Catherine um, yes. being the one who does the most effective fighting against them. And the men are constantly saying yeah. sexist comments. Like Brian and Catherine's first uh, conversation is so cringy. I'm like, what reality was this in where that was like? It wasn't clever. It was just like, I'm sexist. Isn't that funny? Yeah, confirmed sexist and proud of it. It's like, yeah. what, man? Well, he does his magic tricks. Like, as someone who yeah. likes sleight of hand magic tricks, you can't think you're cool and be sexist and get the girl while doing a magic no, it doesn't trick. Work. Like, what is wrong with you? It doesn't work. I was going to say, uh, speaking about that, where um, they're doing the most work and Catherine is the one who does the most uh, fighting at the end. Um, and then, so she jumps... Uh, with the bruise girl into the mirror to yeah. when she's trying to pull Satan out uh, of the mirror. And so she does the most effective in fighting the evil. And then Donald Pleasance just throws his axe at the mirror and shatters it. But then when yeah. he's at the very end, when he's being taken away on a stretcher, he goes, we stopped it here through the gaze, through the grace of God. I stopped it. 
Yep. The yes. future conjured up by that vile serpent will not happen now. But he, like, he starts out saying we. I'm like, okay, we. And then he just changes it, like, the next sentence. I stopped it. <laughs> it's it's like, like the the head of the company being like, I built the railroads. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> and what his action did by shattering the mirror, like, maybe that was the correct action to take. Who knows? But it, like, it ended Catherine, the one who did who did like the most self-sacrifice and the best thing to stop the evil. It ended her chances of ever, you know, being alive. <laughs> like, and he doesn't have any regret over that kind of thing of it. Well, right. Yeah, I, I stopped her life, but I stopped the evil. Yeah. <laughs> but also like what happened to her? Like, so all the other women who were doing the work became possessed or like, you know, like Kelly's body was taken over by Satan. I mean, she basically was the Prince of Darkness. But then Catherine goes in the mirror. And then at the last, when we see the dream again, the dark figure we've seen over and over is now Catherine. So yeah, is she I'm... now the dark figure? I mean, is she, she is, but is she the Prince of Darkness or? I don't know. Sorry, that's it... a side thing. I don't know if that's related, but I'm just like. No, what? no, They're I've been all... totally curious about that. Satan. The commentary, like, all he basically says is, and now the figure's Catherine, and the figure's changed, and now it's Catherine, Man. but he doesn't extrapolate anything about I it. I didn't that at all. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and is the dark figure the one doing the voiceover in the dream? I don't think so. supposed to be something no, else? That's, someone else. That's a person in the future who's like yeah. sending a warning to the past through Okay, I thought also, quantum. I didn't know that Okay, I guess I didn't know what we were seeing was also from the future, or I guess we I are. guess it would make more sense if it was from the past. No, so what we're seeing is from the future also. Mm. They're filming a thing in the future that's going to happen because it's happening in their present. And they're sending it using this new scientific technique that's faster than light yeah. to the past to get people to change it. So they're talking in the present and filming in the present of the future, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. Yeah, but but why can't the dark figure then be the person doing the voiceover? Because this is a person trying to stop the dark figure from existing. Like they're like they the narrative says like we're sending this to you because we didn't have the technology. Uh, I forget what they're saying, but aren't, isn't the thing they're saying about how we need you yes. in the past to stop yes. this? We're we're yeah. doing a I forget what they call it where. But they, they basically are like... I guess it could be. We want you to destroy the timeline that makes this happen. Yeah. Um, but makes the dark figure happen? Yes. Yeah. We want to destroy the... It's a they... warning about the dark right. figure. So, yeah, there's... I mean, the dudes are sexist as hell, as y'all pointed out. Uh, like, Walter is extremely sexist, but... Walter is really also an interesting character. Um, there's some, I think as you put it, Barto, when we were talking like queer panic stuff going on in this film. Mm -hmm. It's it's basically, there's like two jokes about with him, right? Is there anything besides those? What else? I think so. So yeah, the jokes are, so Brian, uh, Walter talks about going on a date and Brian says, where are you taking him? And Walter says, yeah. it isn't funny. And then the other one is, I used to break out when I was little. Doctor said it was homosexual panic. Yeah. Right? Yes. But then the big scene with Walter, who, by the way, is the most sexist person in the movie, in my yes. opinion. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, is literally stuck in a closet. Yes. Right? Oh. And they're stuck in a closet that looks like a confessional booth. Yes. 
like with the window and the thing uh yeah like the shadow going on him and the two so the women who are spreading the satan juice on each other are very sexualized they're climbing over each other while one's sleeping and putting in their mouth so suddenly these sexualized as homosexual women are trying to break walter who's made had two homosexual jokes about him he's insecure about out of the closet while his heterosexual friends are trying to pull him deeper like have him escape by going farther back out the back it's fucking gnarly it's a trip yeah so the only research I did for this at all was checking Wikipedia really quick. And one of the big uh, reads, the only one really interpretation of this movie uh, that I, that's on there is that uh, 1987 was the peak of the AIDS epidemic. Oof. And you have these queer coded people spreading Satan and somebody who, if they get out of the closet, if they're pulled out of the closet, they will be infected by the satanic. Oh, thing. my God. Yeah. It's pre- I mean, it didn't say that part in it, but that's how I'm re- if no, like yeah. they're like, this is a metaphor for the AIDS epidemic. And if we pull him out of the closet, he's going to become one of us. It's a trip. <laughs> oh, man, that's a much grislier uh, read on this movie. Ooh. I don't know how to take that. It's just it's all there. Yeah, you're like, right. It's interesting. Oh, goodness. But th- that, again, makes his sex more sexist comments kind of weird it's like he's always trying to hit on women and he's so bad at it right like you could pass for asia like what are you doing what does that mean i don't i had no idea what that meant no. um i don't either it's just inappropriate <laughs> that's all i know yeah but as far as like all the stuff with you know walter and the closet i mean walter <laughs> it's interesting because this stuff is so like He's the most obnoxious character, but he's also one of the most interesting and enjoyable at times yeah. to me. Before, when I watched this, I thought he was gay, and he was, like, joking about himself with the... Or semi-joking to something that actually happened with, like, the homosexual panic thing that happened. But then watching this time, I was like, no, he's straight, isn't he? He's supposed to be straight, and it's just a kind of... They're just or at making least he thinks bad he's, taste gay jokes. He considers himself straight at the time, yeah, yeah. for sure. The fact that he's bringing it up, I don't know, and that he was so upset when someone made the joke makes it up for question. Right, right. But, I know, but I didn't. I'm saying when I first saw, it, like, I thought it was just yes. like a thing that he, like, I didn't think it was like a hidden in the closet thing. I just thought he was. Totally. But now rewatching, I'm like, oh no, that's he's that's not. It's not so that he's out or whatever. Just like the some of the science stuff earlier, where I'm like, oh whoa, that's a reference. That's a reference. I don't know what they're saying with this. I'm just like, oh, there's a lot of it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the most tense scene where he's stuck in that closet. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like I don't know what else they could mean by it other yeah. than he's a gay guy who won't come out of the closet. Like, it just feels too on the nose with everything leading up to it. It's But also the implication is that staying in the closet will save him, which is trippy. It's John Carpenter, you're canceled, man. <laughs> Or at least, like, maybe he's not actually, maybe he's pointing out the the popular view about the AIDS crisis that's flawed. You know? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm being charitable. Maybe. (laughs) I I don't think, like, I think maybe there was just some innate um, anti-gay prejudice, but I think the whole, I don't know, HIV reading of it is maybe too much. I don't know, it just doesn't track with, like, interviews and stuff that I've seen with him before um that i guess outwardly homophobic i see i'm not reading it as though i guess the way y'all are is that in the way i'm reading it is like 
people make movies about what we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Whether they, when they're making a horror movie, they're thinking about what we're afraid of. And what are, is everyone afraid of in 1987? That. And so maybe he's not thinking, okay, I will make a metaphor out of this. He's thinking, oh, this seems scarier and this seems scarier. And it all adds up because he's scared of this thing too. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean he had a plan or something, right? Mm-hmm. I will say the one real redeeming quality about Walter is that when they looked out the window in in the same scene where they talk about um, when he broke out and his doctor said he had homosexual panic, they look at uh, the houseless folks congregating out the window and he's like, don't worry about them. You know, like they have so many problems, like let let them them hang out wherever they want to hang out, which I was like, fuck yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Okay. Why do you have one normal thing to say in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's kind of a, have you ever seen the the China movie? Um, Big Trouble in Little China? I've not. I haven't. Okay. Cause that he's like basically the hero of that movie. Um, Hmm. That actor? Yeah. Because, like, the the kind of point of the movie is it follows Kurt Russell as the hero because he's the big white American action star. But it's kind of a commentary on things because actually uh, his Asian sidekick, who the camera treats as the sidekick, is the actual hero. He does, like, all the heroic stuff. But it's it's kind of weird seeing him go from that character character to this character. Hmm. Totally. And in that movie, he's, he's still kind of like a smart-ass kind of guy, but not as much of it in the negative portrayal as it is here, negative light as it is here. Yeah, it's it's interesting that he has so many flaws in this movie, but then he has, like, the best take about the houseless folks. But also, it's because, like, you know, we have Kelly, who's literally, like, diagnosing them as schizophrenics from through the window. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, like, not, not <laughs> chill readings. But also... Yeah. They're not just houseless folks. They are trying to kill them all. So it's yeah. complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so like, they're the biggest question I have where I have no idea in this movie, other than some things we've we've hinted at of like, they know something's going on and they want to stop it. But what is going on? They're crucifying pigeons and killing anyone they see. They're moving toward the, the church. What's going on? Some Something I noticed really early on is the priest keeps getting out of limousines and it felt like a very stark divide that they were setting up. He steps out of this limousine and there's just homeless folks all around him. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good catch. And I thought he's supposed to look bad here. He's not being set up (laughs) as a bad guy in any way, except for this. Even adding onto that, the uh, woman comes up, comes up to him, and she—I forgot what she says—and uh, you're going to open up the church again. It, yeah, and then she's she's just like, "Yep, yep." And then he kind of looks down at her cup, and it's full of maggots, which is very gross. But it kind of <laughs> just like, Ugh. I don't know. It just kind of feels like his reaction is just, like, "Oh, you disgusting person!" Um, yep. And, and just that juxtaposition, like you said, just getting out of the limousine. Um, yeah. And him. Just kind of like walking to the church like he owns it. Uh, and he's not set up as a bad guy other than the limo thing and what you pointed out, Charlie, his line at the end about we saved it. But right. and then he goes, I saved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it feels like that again. Yeah, you're right. Like the the 
the houseless folks know something and they are keyed into what's going on at this church, even if they don't know what it is. They know something is going on at this church. And the presence, you know, like you were saying, the observing of of the satanic goo is what brings it into the world. And it really does sure. feel like if none of these people live... If none of these these fucking bougie, bougie ass scientists le- leave this church and let the the knowledge of what they observe go out oh. into the rest of the world, th- Satan stays there. And but I love I fucking love that. But also we have the little issue of the fact that like I think it's the priest who says like the earth and the sky are changing. Mm-hmm. And the, that kind of ties to the thing we discussed earlier where the 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 houseless folks are staring at the sky and they're noticing mm-hmm. something different. <sighs> Maybe it doesn't matter, but to me, it's outside the church already in a yeah. sense. Okay. I was wondering if... But maybe that's just an effect. And you also see all the bugs congregating in different areas. Uh, like, there's a bunch of ants that cuts... That same shot yeah. where, the pre- uh, where the professor's looking up at the sun, um, then it... it pans down to like a bunch of ants uh, yeah congregating right around him but as i was gonna say another one i wasn't sure it was supposed to be or not is brian when he's meeting with Catherine, he talks about how like oh it's cold it's, it's, i thought this was supposed to be california whatever which could mm. just easily be a little throw off but i think later in like the church they talk about it being cold so it kind of made me wonder mm. if that was supposed to kind of be a that that might be reaching but that that crossed my mind watching that no that's good and i I think maybe actually this all just, you know, okay, Satan is unleashed in this church. And if nobody escapes, like you're saying, Bartow, you know, if nobody, if the knowledge doesn't escape, it's not real in a sense, but it's still having an effect on those who know and those who know, and this is slightly maybe problematic, are the earth, the sky, the insects, the houseless, the people who aren't tied into this new way of like this like necessarily like more academic or scientific way of looking at things people are just feeling um or things that are just feeling like maybe it's just effects and maybe it hasn't escaped yet i don't know but i hadn't even thought i was just wondering what the fuck the insects were the whole time until you brought it up charlie i definitely think that's part of this change that's happening Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, because I, I kept wondering, I'm like, are they possessed? Are the people outside possessed? But if they are, how come they don't have to be possessed the way the people inside do, where they're sprayed? I mean, we don't really know how they're possessed. I wonder if, so this is a, a an abandoned, dilapidated church. So you can imagine there could be like groups of um, unhoused people around this that uh, would be around that area a lot. And so I wonder if maybe just the the kind of telekinetic and psychic effects of the the satan juice itself it's it's kind of been in their vicinity for so long it can start having like control of them i guess mm. they just they're just feeling the vibes like the bugs like yeah like the moon but just like it, it it's since they've i can imagine they there are people most likely to be around that area a lot more than other people so maybe it could just I don't know. And people actually looking like there are people actually looking at the world around them other than everybody rushing mm. from thing to thing and trying to get their doctor. I mean, you have Kelly making the statement in the middle of this insane thing where the like the devil's coming to life where she says, like, 
I forget what it is, but like uh, we, I better get an award for. I forget for this, and like tomorrow she's gonna be dead and possessed by the <laughs> devil. Like they care about the wrong things. Yeah, these people, but the people outside who are just living here might actually feel something and see something. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I just want them to be the good guys, you know. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's really where this is coming from. Partially, but there is the hubris pointed out. I mean, the inconsistencies of the main characters are pointed out, and they are fucking sexist pigs. Yeah, everyone in there pretty much sucks except for the people who get possessed. Like those yeah. are and Catherine, yeah. who who yeah. has to die because she's good, and everyone who's good dies. Totally. Even good people have to settle for people like Brian, who, by the way, doesn't Brian kind of just look like a clean cat, clean cut John Carpenter? <laughs> he just he just looks like a guy. It's just pretty cool that he just stars in a movie and he just looks like yeah, a guy. It's funny. I was like, no way. Yeah, I mean, that's like, yeah, you watch The Fog. It has Tom Atkins. Uh, it's also very yeah. much the same vein. Um who else? And there's a couple more. That that was a not an uncommon kind of um, look for John Carpenter to put in his movies. Interesting. I am so excited to watch more John Carpenter movies. Yeah. I am like sold now. I like I I I don't love slasher films. So Halloween, I'm like it's important, but it doesn't. <laughs> I love the thing, but like just this plus the thing, I'm like oh shit, I gotta go deep now. Yeah, I also watched. Um... This month, I've also watched The Fog and Vampires. Uh, the Fog is amazing. Vampires, it's considered one of his lesser movies, rightfully so. It's not a great movie, but it's still, it's a fun time. For sure. But yeah. yeah I, I'm excited for you guys to watch some more John Carpenter. Yeah. Because he fucking rules. Earlier, when we were talking about him being in the closet, and you and me said something at the same time. Right. Um, I wanted to say... Barto, if that was you stuck in the closet, you know, they took like three hours getting this guy out, which seems crazy, but I would have gotten you out in like 15, 20 minutes. And Rabbit, I would have gotten you out in like 45, 50 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, bro. I appreciate so, that. Just want you guys know that you'd be in better hands <laughs> than me than this group of fucking wonky nerds the nerds versus the devil who will mm. win or science nerds versus si i don't remember what it was um yeah that's it the devil. Like that. okay sick uh do you have anything else you want to talk about one of the the things that i thought was interesting about this movie is they like a lot of horror movies there's like a group of people who can who get sieged by supernatural force or whatever and it's their survival depends on how they learn to work together or not learn how to work together and the one of the interesting things about this one is they're not really cohesive at all when they start out no. and it's mm -mm. because they're assholes to each other they are sexist pigs they are um uh they're all in their own little departments and yeah of their own um uh focuses or whatever and um and then again all of the people who had any handle on the situation at all were immediately 
like mm. become zombies or whatever they are become demonified and it's sort of like a weird inversion of how this sort of film usually works yes in that usually the people like um whatever i've already forgotten the uh severed you know severed uh like (laughs) the the people who who can't figure out how to be part of this core group are killed off immediately but this one it's all of these these they you know they work together eventually they figure out they get they dig uh uh what's his name out of the closet and you know they're like trying but you know they end up in different rooms from one another they end up separated and it just keeps descending and descending and descending and yeah because they're they're all assholes yeah no totally like there's even parts that like they'll build a barrier and then one person's like i gotta go out the door and like tears down other people's barrier like everybody's separate you're right no there's never the moment that even though like you know, when we were covering Severed, I feel like me and Bartol were mostly like just talking about how much it sucked. And Charlie, you're the one who noticed you're like, but look at all these parallels and how they're working together. It's like even in most movies, that's what happens. And in mm-hmm. this one, it, you're right. It totally doesn't. Yeah. And and it ends again. All the good people die as a result of it. And the the not good people survive only by way of the the good the good person who was left sacrificing herself as a result of it. I I just want to say, I don't, I don't think the professor's a bad person. Is he? Is anyone? You're right. Sure. You guys you're right. That? No, yeah. you're, you know, I forgot about him. He's fine. He's good. Even. Okay. He doesn't end like up a having man. a big role in the action. It's interesting. No, he doesn't. I love him. I like him a yeah. lot. Didn't mean to disparage the, him. You know, who does work together is all the fucking houseless folks. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Led by Alice Cooper, which is pretty yeah. sick. Apparently, that uh, the bike thing that he killed the guy with, yeah, uh, I guess that was a real prop of his that they it was like it was like Mike Stand or something that he had at his shows, and oh. they like turned it into that. Uh, They're like, can you make that basically into a bike or something like that? Um, and Whoa. that's yeah, John Carpenter is like, I like that prop. I want, I want to. Can you kill somebody with that? But only like as like a bike or something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, it was a weird prop. I was like looking at it. And I'm like, I can't even really tell what he killed this guy with. It just looks like <laughs> yeah. random metal that's been stuck together. <laughs> it sat on that shot of him like being part of a bicycle now that was balancing. And I'm like, what does this mean? Why are you hanging on to this image? Like, I don't quite know what's happening here. It was interesting, nope. but it was surreal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I was like, oh, that's Alice Cooper. <laughs> Seeing where the commentary I wrote down, but I can't fully read my handwriting. Um, sorry, people misunderstand plot. Not really about the devil as as the name implies, but as an anti-god son. He was just in love with science and quantum mechanics at the time. And he wanted to write a movie, tie and religion and science together. But really, it's all just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. It's just a horror movie, and he just wanted to make it interesting enough to grab people and make them go, what the fuck's going on? I mean, successful. He was successful at that. Yeah, he did a good job. This is what I'm talking about, where John Carpenter accidentally makes, like, really deep movies. Mm -hmm. Fully. Like, there's the 
some of the stuff we talked about it is too too much, too many times for it to be a mistake. Yeah. And yeah, I also Schrodinger's think Schrodinger's cat stuff especially seems yeah. right on. And I think he's definitely like uh trying not to toot his own horn. horn. Yeah, you yeah. know. It's just fun. They'll just find that fun. But he's like, I know that that was fucking sick. <laughs> totally. I like that though. Yeah. I like that attitude, and I like that that's the attitude he has. I like. There's a lot of directors who make good stuff, and then they're like, "This shit's so fucking cool, you don't even get it." And I'm just yeah. like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all want to do our awards? Yeah, sure. Dumb cop of the week. I can start. My dumb cop of the week is uh, the priest and everyone else in the movie who's trying to stop Satan. Oh, <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> Not cool, guys. Mine is Brian for being an unabashed sexist. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> kind of looks like a cop. He does. <laughs> yes, he does. That fucking mustache. Like, how was yeah. that ever okay? Like, I'm just looking at him in the beginning, I'm like, well, there's no way this dude's getting laid with those words <laughs> and this mustache, and then boom. I think my dad had a pretty gnarly mustache like that. It is awesome. My cop was, I wrote down that quote from Donald Pleasance at the end, and then I circled I in it, and I put next to it, question mark, cop, because the way he just kind of <laughs> takes credit for everything. Yes. Um, after he pretty much sacrificed Catherine's life by throwing... <laughs> By shattering the mirror. Um, it's very, uh, very chief Wiggum. So good. <laughs> yeah. It's very cop to be like, we made this community safer when like, you know, they like, I don't know, busted up a fucking Black Panther breakfast program and then like did half as good of a thing. And they're like, look how good we are. We did this. I don't know. <laughs> totally. Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, Praxis Award. I guess kind of an obvious, not fun one is just Catherine. Yeah, same. Sacrificing herself to save everyone. Um, and especially because not only that, but she was faced at that, that moment uh, between a decision of of her newfound love, saving her newfound love or saving everybody. Um, oh, and she shit. Because she looks between the mirror and um, Brian, who's being attacked by one of the zombies, and she decides to go to the jump through the mirror i didn't pick up on that that's good I, i'm gonna say um she's just credited as bag lady but the lady with the maggots <laughs> in the cup for uh for freaking out that <laughs> cop priest yes <laughs> hell yes that's good all right favorite shots when the goo is just filling up going into kelly's orifices that looked so fucking cool I, oh, yeah. I feel like I saw that as coming out of them, but maybe I had it back. I thought it was going in. I was pretty sure it was filling her up because then she had like the big belly of goo. I think it was going in, but the way it was shot was that it was, they shot it going out of her and they put it in reverse. Yeah, so I you're think right. it was just kind okay. of like weird visually, but I'm pretty totally. sure it was supposed to be going in. Because it was on the ceiling first, so yeah. that makes sense. Okay. But looked so fucking yeah, awesome. I was, I that was when I was like felt pretty hooked. There were, I will say, there were a yeah. few parts in like the last act of this movie that kind of felt like it slowed down a little bit, and I, I was, I was sort of yeah. like, my attention was sort of fading a little bit. But that shit was fucking awesome. That's fine. Minutely, like. Yeah. I was more scared, but then I was a little more bored of like, what, who's going in what room? What's wired? Mm. Who's running after who? Uh, but only for a second for me. Yeah. I don't know. There's one specific shot here, but just the uh, the hand dipping through the mirror 
uh, you see it like from the perspective inside the mirror of the hand coming through. I thought that shit just looked so cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and that one where it grabs Satan's hand is also really neat. But just yeah. that effect of the dipping into the mirror, which just looked awesome. I guess they, to get those shots, um, they took, uh, I guess the crane had a bunch of mercury in it and they drained the mercury out of the crane and put it in a container and like put a fake hand through the mercury. Um, Whoa. cause the mercury looked like, looks like a mirror, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Which is super dangerous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cause it's super poisonous. Very uh, cool though. And then I also, I, I thought it was really cool in the beginning when, um, Donald Pleasance is showing the professor the uh, Satan, uh, the bar, the jar of Satan in the basement, and it's just this great shot of uh, you see the jar of Satan in the middle, this green swirling goo, and then there's just like so many candles lit up with all this religious iconography with uh, you know like crucifixes, and as they walk closer to it, it keeps cutting in between shots of that and two shots of uh their faces as they're walking forward but it's really cool how it works this the, the score is every time they look at in the direction of the green goo there's this kind of like the soundtrack has a like a hot more high pitch kind of choral note that comes in and then it stops when it cuts back to looking at the the priest and the professor and it was just a really cool way of the interaction between the music and the great shot yeah uh my favorite shot was Catherine reaching out to the other side of the mirror after she'd gone through that was fucking epic and stressful oh yeah my other favorite shot was when it was like zoomed in on the moon and then kind of zoomed out for a second and there was a leaf just because i'm a simple man and it was impressive (laughs) (laughs) all right uh we got to rate this movie uh charlie you picked it i think you got to rate first i have had a bunch of marijuana I think some is over a decade old. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think this movie is uh, now, sorry if this, if anybody else has ever said anything like this. I basically think this movie is the Prince of Dankness. So <laughs> I am going to give it all my marijuana I have. I'm going to give it a pipe to smoke with. And I'm going to say, hey, you're not the best Carpenter movie, which are the best movies of all, but you are right below those best carpenter movies so you smoke your little heart out and you go get laid hell yeah i'm gonna call this uh a tiny joint which is you know for me a a perfect a perfect amount of of everyday weed it's something that i could i could put on at any time and and be happy that i've done um it's probably not that it's not a a um a fat doink like uh the thing but um that's gonna knock me knock me on my ass and leave me leave me uh totally incapacitated for the rest of the evening but uh yeah a perfect a perfect tiny little joint you love those tiny i do joints. love those tiny joints <laughs> hell yeah uh i think i have to give this movie one poison two schools outs, one I'm 18 and a ballad of Dwight Fry, but in a reality where I like, like Alice Cooper's music. I don't think I've, I have no idea. I, I'm so, I'm completely unfamiliar with Alice Cooper. 
I had to Google Alice Cooper songs. <laughs> he's, he's, I, I uh, do not know I've ever heard Alice Cooper. I mean, I assume I must have on the radio. But you've um, seen uh, uh, Wayne's World though. Wayne's World not two? since I was a kid. So I, don't I don't remember. He's remember. been over um, to my family's house for dinner when what? I was like wow. a little, what? like a baby. Yeah. Was he a gentleman? I I think he's my well. So when I was like, uh, I I only learned this because when I was like. 14 my dad had a really big really bad record collection um and one of the the records i pulled out was an alice cooper one and his name had a big anarchy symbol a in it and my dad's like oh yeah oh yeah that's just an act he's um he was over at our house for dinner once he's very conservative guy (laughs) i (laughs) i was gonna say um there's an interview with him on the disc and he talks about how he's like, how he's makes Christian music and he's like a super Christian. Um, yeah. Trip. Yeah. 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 He's just, I was, I was like, what? I, and then I was like, yeah, I guess I don't know anything about him. So I don't know he's why he's a performer. I should be you know, really surprised. That's yeah. It. He's doing an act and he was great at making songs. Teenagers would buy yep. mm-hmm. or pay money to yep. see. Um, but yeah, I, I liked this movie the first time and I really, really liked it the next. I feel like, Right now, almost all of, like, I've only seen four John Carpenter movies, and, like, three of them are, like, the same rating. They're just right next to each other, and this one's on the top with those. Like, it's, I've, I loved this movie. It's great. I'm excited to watch it again. So you've seen this, They Live, The Thing, and uh, Halloween. Anything else? Yeah. That's it. it. Halloween's slightly below the other three. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I've never been, like, the biggest slasher fan, so. Same. Uh, Yeah. But I, it's totally. so great. Check out, check yes. out in the but mouth yeah. of madness, dude. That's that felt like when ah, I was watching so that, good. I was like, I mean, it's Sam Neill who fucking rules, and um, yeah. it feels like he's setting up Sam Neill to be like this weird libertarian. Like I live on a fucking island, and he just destroys the idea that you can do that, and it's so cool. <laughs> And that's the third part of his like weird apocalypse trilogy. That's uh, the thing, this, and then that. So I gotta, I gotta fucking finish it. I've seen the other two. Yeah, it's it's great, especially if you're a a Stephen King fan, which I know you are. I think you'll mm. appreciate it. All right, hell yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. You're fucking awesome. Um, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, every. Be right? spooky. Be spooky out there, everybody. Just go out and be spooky. Get some of those fentanyl <laughs> whoppers and get some of those. The well, no, the razor apples might hurt you. Uh, <laughs> get, get that fentanyl. Get that fentanyl candy and those those dank those dank gummies to celebrate Halloween. Go to your fucking iTunes and smash that five star button and leave us that <laughs> positive review that says these boys are so thoughtful and they made me enjoy this movie even more than I already did. I would love to see that. Love to see that. Please do. Like we can see and most of our new listeners, which we have a lot of new listeners lately, it's kind of cool, are from Apple Podcasts, almost all of them. So you right now hearing this, go down there, hit five stars or hit four star, whatever you need to do. And if you can give us a review, but either way, just rate us. Um, and you yeah. can also talk to us. You can interact with us. You can go to Twitter at no gods pod. Check us out there. You can email us no gods pod at gmail.com. 
And if you want to get involved, if you want to support the show, help the houseless people rise up however you can. Give them food, give them money, whatever uh, mutual aid stuff is in your area. Help them rise up. Fuck the priests. Fuck the scientists. Yeah. And while you're doing all that um, and rating and reviewing us, you can also give us some of those fentanyl whoppers. I mean, we'd be cool with that. <laughs> now they're going to know we didn't have any and it was all yes. in action. There was no oh. fire and well, they were in we three separate places. Wait. We gave them out to the to the kids. <laughs> That no gods, no monsters is all about the children. We're all about the kids. 